Welcome back to the Black Letter Podcast. We set out to create an entertaining and exciting podcast about law and business. Black Letter, the name, comes from the Gothic typeset. Over time, Black Letter became the only font that English law books were printed in. It made it harder for kind of the common person to understand what the English law books said. Black Letter came to represent something that was law, that was set in stone, that was sort of old and a well-settled fundamental principle of law. We're here to demystify black letter law. We're here to demystify things that happen in business and law and where those two meet. And I hope you have fun listening. And welcome back to another episode of the Black Letter Podcast. Today with me, I've got Mark Fava, also known as Mark Fava when pronounced in the native Italian, but we're going to go with Fava today. Mark is a practicing attorney who now works for Boeing Corporation as an ombudsman in one of their divisions and as a vice president with Boeing. We're going to talk with Mark today about his career, how he got where he is, and uh, his mentorship, the work he does mentoring others, veterans like himself and other attorneys uh, kind of in the career world, and what advice Mark might have for those who are looking to be uh, to follow a similar career path or just to, I guess, well, Mark can tell us a little bit about what he plans to talk about. So Mark, I, I will stop talking to the screen and the audience and ask you to talk a little bit about yourself and introduce yourself and tell us a little bit about your background. Sure, Tom. And, and thanks so much for the opportunity to be on. I've, I've, I've always enjoyed your uh, your podcast. It's, I, I still learn things even on your short blurb, so <laughs> very much appreciate it. Um, Look, I uh, I was uh, I came to Charleston years ago as a as a Navy brat. Dad was in the Navy, went to high school here, mm -hmm. and um, ended up going to uh, Chapel Hill uh, on an ROTC scholarship. Dad just said, "Hey, look, I got a you know I got a sibling above you and a sibling below you. So if you want to go out of state, you got to get a scholarship." So I was like, "Okay," was able to do that. Graduated from Chapel Hill. Um, back in the Michael Jordan days, I realized I didn't want to be uh, on surface ships because they worked way too hard. I mean, they were stand watch all night and got up and still had to drive the ship. Uh, same thing with the Marine Corps. Incredible. Had a, a lot of good Marine friends, but at the end of the day, picked aviation and picked a, a land-based aviation plane, a P3. So um, got to the squadron in Jacksonville at the height of the Cold War, you know, as being yeah. a veteran yourself, you had a collateral duty. It was being a legal officer, and I decided, you know, maybe I need to pursue law school, and, and and that's what I ended up doing. Fantastic. And so after law school, I saw that you worked in a variety of different law firms and then ultimately uh, went out on your own, and uh, now you work, I guess, both as an aviation lawyer and for, for Boeing at the same time. So why don't you tell us a little bit about that? I came back to South Carolina because I knew I wanted to practice here. So I went undergrad at the University of South Carolina. You know, at the time, Tom, it was the only law school in the state. So it was a very small network uh, right. and then was able to get a, a federal clerkship uh, here and then started at a small law firm doing like most of us do, right? You know, insurance defense work for automobile manufacturers, really wanted to get into aviation, was, uh, was, was still doing that uh, in the reserves on the, on the side, but couldn't break in, you know? It, but I moved from uh, automobiles onto uh, CSX train work, you know, plenty of railroad crossing accidents, but still right. trying to get into aviation. You know, in South Carolina, people still think they can go across the crossing when the lights are on and it's never a good thing. Uh, so I did that. Uh, wanted to get into aviation and I got a call from a buddy of mine at Delta Airlines and said, hey, why don't you, to come, why don't you come work for us at Delta? Wow, that's great. Yeah, so I understand you were the chief of operations during 9-11. Um, and that just something that 
piqued my curiosity. What was that like? What did you, what was your experience that day? Yeah, it was, you know, the anniversaries all bring it back time. It was so bizarre. So here I was 41 days new to the job as the chief operations attorney uh, at Delta Airlines, handling all the passenger stuff, the logistics stuff, the FAA interaction stuff and security breaches. Um, and we were actually at the, the Renaissance Hotel, which overlooks the airport. We were at a cop- corporate security conference where we had all of our corporate security leaders at a conference there. And the general counsel was getting ready to give his presentation. And everybody's yeah. back in the day, everybody's pagers started going off. Oh and we knew something bad had happened. And, and it was surreal. Yeah. Wow. Well, did you have to participate in any operational stuff as a result of that, like that day or? Or was it kind of everything shut down and that was it? You know, we exercised the emergency operations center, stood everything up. There was one plane still unaccounted for. We weren't too sure which one it was. It right. was not ultimately not a Delta plane. And then at that point, we just shut everything down, sent everybody home. And, you know, for the next three days, the world's busiest airport was was quiet. I'd show up to work there and you could hear the birds in the trees. It was unbelievable. Uh, wow. So when did you decide? Lawyer, to, oh, go ahead. Yeah. No, I was going to say, and as a lawyer, we knew the litigation was coming. So I spent the next couple of months traveling to all the airports where the terrorists had been to try and figure out, you know, the contractual relationships and to get prepared for what we knew was coming. Right. Well, so, and then after you left Delta, when did you go out on your own and start your own practice? And how did you, I guess, from there, how did you link up with Boeing? How does that all work right now? Yeah, it's, it's a lot about, uh, you know, pursuing your dream and being in the right place at the right time. Now, I, I, I started uh, my own practice uh, uh, in the law firm. So I built a, an aviation law practice there. Gosh. Uh, at the, you know, three years at Delta, my wife said, hey, let's move back to Charleston. I'd committed to her that if, you know, Atlanta wasn't the place we would. And I called the law firm back, right? You don't ever burn your bridges. And I said, hey, you remember me? I'd like to come back. And they'd say, we'd love to have you, but we have no work for you. You know, you're going to have right. to build a practice, right? You know, I said, and that's what, you know, law firms and that's what they do. And so I went back to the same law firm I came from and decided, okay, in the next four or five years, how do I become an aviation lawyer? I've got all the contacts now. How do I transition that into a book of business? Right. And so what, and when you say aviation lawyer, so I, I know I do some aviation work in the law. I wouldn't style myself an aviation lawyer per se. I help with, you know, G, GA stuff, cargo, crew rest, whatever, FA violations. But what, what do you do in the aviation space? Is it accident focused? Is it um, transportation focused? Is it leasing? Is it GA? I mean, I know you work for Boeing too. So how, so yeah, how yeah. does that all tie together? Yeah, no, great question. It started primarily as a uh, as an outside counsel for passenger litigation and for air okay. carriers for regulatory enforcement work. So, you know, they get in trouble with the FAA, the TSA, yep. or, or, or somebody does. I would defend them, uh, which was great because I was able to leverage all those contacts. Did the same thing when I first started at Boeing. When Boeing came into town, there was only one other aviation, pure aviation lawyer in the state. And I said, okay, you know, how do I get position myself to get that job? And was very fortunate to get it uh, yeah. when it came into town. So are you still today, Mark, are you practicing aviation law independently as well? No, I, I, you know, 12 years ago, I became a Boeing employee. So I, I, okay. I, I in-house as a Boeing lawyer, I started only as the lawyers, Charleston. Uh, then it grew to, you know, regulatory w- issues for the company. Uh, and then it grew to the engineering stuff. I did a fascinating uh, stint over the last year or so helping the engineers who were doing all of our uh, looking at COVID on the passenger aircraft and looking right. at that stuff. 
And then, you know, the last five months they called me up and said, Hey, would you, would you want to do, you know, something different being on buds person? And I said, okay, what's that? Right. You know, happy to do it, but what is it? Yeah. What is that? Tell us a little bit. Yeah. about. Yeah. It's fascinating Tom, because it, it, it utilizes all the skills that we have as lawyers, right? It's a, it's a form of alternate dispute resolution. And the goal is to get in early, provide a, uh, a an informal confidential method for employees to talk to you about issues they're facing, and then yeah. to help vet with them. You know, they don't want to go to ethics. They might not want to go to HR, but they have somebody can, they can talk to. Gotcha. So it's an internal facing employee, employee ADR process, alternative dispute resolution process for Absolutely. listeners out there. Who don't, gotcha. Absolutely. And, and the neat thing about it is it's confidential. It's informal. You know, how many times you have an issue, you just want to bounce it off somebody, but you might right. not want to go to your manager, right? And you might not want to raise it with ethics or, so it just provides another avenue, not to replace the existing ones, uh, to deal with regulatory issues, especially with, uh, with the FAA and our, and our folks that certify the aircraft for the FAA. Right. That makes sense. I imagine you wouldn't want to say, Hey, we fly airplanes with flat tires or something like that. Right. But you'd want to talk to somebody confidentially about that before you decided how to report that. So, um, just kind of joking there. So Mark, yeah, no, that, I get it. yeah. So that's, that's, it sounds really interesting. So let's on the next segment, I'd like to ask you to think about, um, our listeners, you know, typically we ask, uh, our guests to talk about what they've learned throughout their career and, um, what advice they might have for people who are looking to do what they did. And that's either start into aviation law or to maybe even find a job like you did at a large corporation, because obviously there's a couple of different paths there. So uh, I ask if you, you come back and I know we'll be back together in about a minute or two here, but our guests will be back in a week to hear from you. So, and I know you've already prepared. Them. So I uh, want to thank everyone for listening to this episode of the Black Letter Podcast. Mark will be back with you next week and me and me in reality in about three minutes. And please download us wherever you get your podcasts, iTunes, uh, iHeartRadio, Spotify, whatever it is. Thanks for joining us. We'll see you on the next episode of the Black Letter Podcast. That's all for today's episode of Black Letter. Thanks again for listening. Join us next time when we talk about more Black Letter issues in creative ways. Make sure you subscribe to the podcast so you never miss an episode. And check out our website at blackletterstudios.com.